So a warm welcome to all of you. It is really great to be able to gather with you again, and it is such an encouragement to be able to see you and to worship alongside you, uh, and it is my privilege to be able to share with you all again this morning. Um, one other little apology is, um, I don't know, I think I messed up the sound system this morning when we were trying to get things to work, um, and for those of you on this side of the building, it was probably quite loud, and on those of you on this side, it was completely different, because that speaker and that speaker are not even close to the same volume this morning, uh, and I'm pretty sure that that was my fault, so <laughs> really sorry. Um, anyway, that's fine. Today, again, we are still deep in our Engage series, and we're taking the time over these weeks and months if needed, to continue to recognize our ongoing desperate need for the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We're taking the time to engage and re-engage with the person of the Holy Spirit and to invite His transformative power to be at work in us and through us. I think that most of you would agree that the world we live in right now, we need more than just our own strength more than just our own opinions, more than just our own good ideas, more than just our own strategies to fulfill the mission that Jesus gave us to share the gospel and to make disciples of all nations. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to illuminate the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to shine a light on our need for salvation and redemption, and to reveal to people in their hearts their need of God and the saving grace of Jesus. Because the world is already pretty full of ideas, actually, if you've noticed. The world is already full of strategies and causes. The world is full of opinions and issues and lots of words and beliefs. And it's actually quite easy, us, easy for us to join in that chorus. It's quite easy for us to add our voice to the cacophony of sound and noise that surrounds people every day. It's easy to say, no, that's not the right way to live, this is the right way to live. Or, no, that's not the right way to think, this is the right way to think. But without the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us to illuminate the truth of Jesus Christ, without relying on Him instead of our own strength and knowledge and opinion, without showing the love of Jesus to people through our words and actions, then all we can end up doing is adding more noise and adding more confusion, and in the end, creating a barrier and shutting the gate on people who desperately need the hope of the gospel in their lives. I actually heard someone say this week that we can get so busy trying to make a point that we've forgotten we're supposed to be making a difference. I probably need to frame that and put it on my wall or something so I don't forget that because I think that's really important. It's a really good point, you know? <laughs> We can get so busy trying to make a point that we've forgotten that as Christians, we're supposed to be making a difference. And it's the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that makes a difference in us and through us and in the lives of those around us. So that's why we're still in this Engage series, why we're still talking about this. We acknowledge that we need the Holy Spirit with us every day. It's not just a one-time thing. We are choosing to invite His presence every day, every week, over and over again, so that we are enabled and equipped to do the work, to go on mission, to make fully devoted, devoted followers of Jesus Christ right across the planet. And in the last couple of weeks, we've started talking about the gifts of the Spirit, gifts that the Holy Spirit graciously 
gives to us. It says that each one of us is given the ability to do certain things well. And each one of those gifts is important and valuable and precious. And each one is given specifically to different people so that the whole body of Christ, that is the church, is able to work together and use their individual gifts to build up and strengthen the whole church. The purpose of these personal gifts is not for the edification or building up of an individual, but rather to equip the church, to prepare the church, to put right, to mend, to strengthen, and to expand the church as a whole. So this morning, we're going to continue to talk about these gifts. And I want to return to the passage from 1 Corinthians 12 that Carl spoke from a couple of weeks ago. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11 says this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. You can see in this passage again all of the aspects I just talked about and we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. The gifts are given so that we can help each other. That's their purpose. There's lots of different gifts given to lots of different people, but they are all from the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit determines what gift each one receives. Last week, we spent some time looking at encouragement. And today, I want to focus on one of the other gifts, and that is from this list, the gift of faith. It says, the same Spirit gives great faith to another. I don't know if any of you have noticed, but there's some stuff going on in the world right now. Has anybody, anybody noticed there's some sort of things going on? Like there's things happening in politics, there's things happening in the church across the planet, there's things happening in communities, there's things happening in education. There's things happening across different generations. There's things happening in social movements. There's things happening in the environment. There's things happening in the way we communicate with each other. There's things happening in the way people interact with other people. There's things happening in how we agree or disagree. There's things happening in how we even view ourselves or how we perceive other people. Anybody else noticed there's just a few things, a few things going on? And over the last couple of weeks, In particular, as I've been talking to lots of different people and and reading different things, one thing I've noticed is that one of the outcomes of all the vast number of different things, the stuff that's happening, is it's led to people feeling like they are on very unstable ground. There's a greater sense of uncertainty over what's next than I've really ever seen before. People aren't entirely sure where things stand right now, let alone where things might stand in a few months' time. I mean, you don't know whether next week my son suggested we should get an anti-gravity device and have the seats upside down next week. We've already gone that way, and then we went that way, and now we've gone this way, so why not just flip it on its head next week, is his suggestion. 
It's unstable times. It's uncertain times. People aren't sure where they can put their trust or who they can put their trust in. And all of that all happening together can make things quite complicated when it comes to our faith. The Bible describes faith this way. In in one little sentence in Hebrews 11, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And I would say that's the problem we're facing right now is a world lacking in confidence, a world lacking in hope, and a world lacking assurance. Faith and trust have been eroded by fear and by doubt and certainly by cynicism over the years. And what the world needs is someone worthy of putting our confidence, hope, and faith in. If you're a believer in Jesus, then you already have a measure of faith. Faith is part of being a follower of God, a follower of Christ. When we choose to live a life that follows Jesus, we are putting our faith and trust in him. Faith is a part of our story. It's a part of our journey. And the book of Ephesians tells us that it's by grace we've been saved through faith. Faith is a gift from God. We have the saving faith that has been given to us, and it is by putting our trust and faith and hope in Jesus that we are saved. So anyone can have a measure of faith. God has made that freely available to us by his grace. But the passage in 1 Corinthians 12, though, is telling us that to some people, the Holy Spirit has given a spiritual gift of faith. Or as it says in in our translation that we read this morning, the gift of great faith. And when you read into the passage, you discover that the phrase can be read as great faithfulness. It goes deeper than just our initial trust in Jesus, but it's an expression of faith and faithfulness through any circumstance or hardship or difficulty. To some people, the Holy Spirit gives this gift of great faith. And sometimes when we're struggling in our own faith, we need those around us who have this gift to build us up because they are the ones who can share stories of God's faithfulness. They are the ones who can share stories of God's provision. They are the ones who can share stories of God's healing power, of times when God has miraculously intervened. It's one of the reasons we live out our faith in community, why we don't do it alone, because the faith of others encourages us, and the testimony of others builds up our faith. And that's why we, as a church, share testimony stories with you. In the last couple of months, you would have hopefully seen a couple of those stories that we've been able to film. The the father and daughter who were healed of asthma. What an amazing story. That builds up your faith when you hear that kind of story. And we saw a couple of weeks ago the testimony from Steve Gorey and his incredible road to recovery after his stroke last year. And we witness his faith and faithfulness in that journey And we're still believing for further healing, even though what he's received so far has been incredible. And that kind of story and hearing his faith and his trust in God builds up and lifts up your faith. A number of the songs that we sing together are songs that have been written to help build your faith. They've been written to remind us of the trustworthiness of God. Even this new song that we just started last week and we sang again this morning is a song about faith. 
It's a song that makes declarations of who God is and what he has promised, regardless of what our current circumstances may be. And that is what this gift of faith is. It's an ongoing, forward-looking, step-by-step reliance and trust in God and in his word. No matter what I'm going through, I will trust in the word of God. And some people have received that gift of great faith. And so when we sang that song this morning, we sang, you're my refuge and strength. And that reminds us that in Psalm 46, it's written, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. We sang, my yes and amen. And it reminds us that in 2 Corinthians, it's written that for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. We sang, I put my trust in your name, and it reminds us that in Psalm 20, it's written that some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And we sing, you're the breaker of chains. And it's written in Psalm 107, he brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. We sing, you defeated the grave. In 2 Timothy 1, it says, And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. We sing, I put all my hope in your name. It reminds us that in Psalm 52, it's written, For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people, and I will hope in your name, for your name is good. And we sing, you have never failed me yet. And we read in Joshua 21, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. And that is why we can go on in the song and sing, if you're not in it, I don't want it. If you said it, I believe it. Where you call me, I will follow. For you have never failed me yet. Or in the song we sang after that, you've done it before then you can do it again. We can put our trust and hope and faith in God for our future because we know he has never failed us in the past. We have people of faith around us. We have testimonies that build our faith. We sing songs of faith. And the Bible is filled with stories of people who had great faith and their testimony builds us up as well. In Matthew chapter 8, we read one example of someone who had this kind of great faith that 1 Corinthians is talking about. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 10, and also 13. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority and with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and to that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And then in verse 13, Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Now there was a man with great faith, complete trust, complete 
confidence and total and utter assurance that Jesus could heal his servant with a word. He didn't even need Jesus to show up. There was no doubt in his mind that if Jesus said the word, then the miracle would come. He had faith that there was full authority in the command and word of Jesus. This man clearly had the gift of great faith, great faithfulness, total assurance, and complete confidence in what Jesus could do. I think I would be similar to a lot of you, I I imagine, that I've learned a lot about faith and trust through my experiences as both a child and as a parent. Now, I remember as a kid how amazing my dad was. I mean, he's, he's still amazing now, like, don't get me wrong, but as a kid, like, wow, my dad could definitely beat up your dad, like, no question at all. My dad was amazing. I trusted my dad. I believed in my dad. My dad was so amazing that I believed he could make traffic lights change. When we were stopped at the lights, he would say, go green now, and they would. They would. It was absolutely incredible. I didn't know how he could do it. I didn't know that he was just sitting there looking at the side lights, waiting for them to go red, and then timing it for a couple of seconds later to go, now. And of course, I was so disappointed that day when he hadn't counted for the people that were crossing and had put a cross light, and it didn't happen. Like, why didn't it work, Dad? I don't understand. What happened? I thought you could change the lights. You know, Joe and I managed to convince our kids that they could open sliding doors with the force. Just, and the doors would open, you know, and they believed it because they trusted us. Maybe an abuse of trust, but sure, they had a confidence (laughs) and trust in us because of the relationship that we had with our kids. A number of years ago, we took the kids, it is a few years ago now, but we took the kids to the Margaret Mahi playground in town, which is a really, you know, really cool place to take your younger kids. And one of the things they have there is a, a big slide. It's not particularly long or tall or anything, but it's, it's wide and big, and it's built into the side of a hill there. And the kids have to climb up the hill, and then they can go down the slide. And if for whatever reason, this particular visit on this particular day, our daughter Brianna was scared of going down the slide. I mean, she'd been down plenty of slides before. I don't know what was her problem on that particular day, but she somehow had just talked herself out of it. She'd climbed up the hill, she'd got to the top of the slide, she'd joined the queue, she'd got to the front of the queue, and then she was standing there holding desperately to the sides of the slide going, I don't want to come down. She couldn't make herself come down the slide. And I was standing at the bottom, of course, with the phone out, ready to take a photo, as you do, you know, just coming down the slide, which is, of course, really weird, because when you're an adult male standing there with your phone out for like five minutes, as other kids are coming down the slide, you know, people start looking at you funny. But I was waiting for her to come down, and I tried to encourage her to let go of the sides and try to encourage her to come down. Of course, the the queue was building up behind her and other kids were getting a little impatient, so I told her to move over uh, and, and and let the others have a turn and then I climbed up the hill to talk with her and tried to convince her to go down. And after some conversation, she decided that, okay, she'd be happy to go down with me. So if I sat her in front of me and went down like some of the other dads were doing with their kids, we could go down together. So cool. So we joined the line, joined the back of the queue, waited our turn, got to the front, and sat down. But as we sat down, ready to go down the slide, she started to freak out again. Like she just still didn't have the confidence. There was something just that she just couldn't engage with it properly. And of course, at this point, I was very 
very supportive. <laughs> I was very encouraging. I was very patient. I just said, it's all right, darling. Look, the other 300 kids will just wait quietly while, for their turn while we sit here doing nothing. And all the other dads will just be looking at me with great respect and admiration that I'm taking the time to be patient with my daughter waiting for you to ready to be go. Of course, it wasn't quite true. I was like, come on, we can't sit here and do nothing. We either have to go down the slide or we have to get off and get out of the way. If we stay here any longer, we're going to start a riot. And more importantly, you are embarrassing me in front of the other dads <laughs> that I don't even know and will probably never meet again. But somehow it was important that I didn't look bad in front of the other dads. You know, she didn't want to leave, like she didn't want to go get out of the line because she really wanted to go down the slide, but she couldn't get herself to do it. She was too scared to go down the slide. And so then I said something to her that seemed to work. I said to her, Brianna, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And she said, yes. So I pushed her head first down the slide. <laughs> no. So I said, okay, well, let's go down together, and she let go of the sides, and we went down the slide, and she absolutely loved it, and she spent the next half an hour going down the slide by herself, which was a bit disappointing, because I quite liked the slide too, but I figured <laughs> I couldn't do it without her. But it wasn't her understanding of what was going to happen that allowed her to go down the slide. It wasn't even her past experiences of slides that gave her the confidence to go down the slide. It wasn't her faith in the slide itself that actually got her to go down the slide, what allowed her to let go of the sides and trust that she could go down was actually that she trusted me. And this reference to the gift of faith in 1 Corinthians 12 is that kind of faith. It's a long-term, ongoing trust and confidence in God because of who He is. It is trusting that He is who He says He is, and because He is who He says He is, that He will do what He says He will do. It's a steadfastness, an assurance, a confidence and faithfulness, even in times of trial or obstacles or difficulty. The spiritual gift of faith is a faith that says, I will put my trust in God for the rest of my life, regardless of any circumstance or any outcome. And God gives that gift to some of his people. It doesn't mean you'll never have any questions, by the way. It doesn't mean you'll never have any moments of doubt, but you live with a predetermination that you know that God is your provider. He's done it before, so I trust that he'll do it again. You know that God is your healer. He's done it before, and he'll do it again. You know that he is faithful. You know that he is merciful. You know that he is good. You know that he loves you. And so you know that you can put all your trust and hope and faith in him. Team, could I have you come back up? We're going to sing and worship again together in a moment. But throughout this week, I've been reminded time and time again of so many little stories and some big stories, actually, of God's power at work in my life and in my family over the years. Stories that have helped shape and build my faith and trust in Him. And if you want to know about them, feel free to ask because I'd love to share them with you sometime. One of them's a really funny story to do with being sick, but my family decided that it was too gross to share with all of you, so you can ask me sometime. 
But the thing about the spiritual gift of faith, and this is the bit that even trying to prepare this message is a struggle to try and express fully. Because faith is built by these amazing things that God does, right? But the spiritual gift of faith has absolutely nothing to do with outcomes. It's a trust and confidence and faith in God regardless. We already trust our eternity to Him. We trust our salvation to Him. So we can have complete faith that He will do what He has promised to do, even if He doesn't always do what I would have liked Him to do. And I think that's one of the things we get tripped up on a little bit. Sometimes we sing the song, You've Never Failed Me Yet. You know, there's a song that was around, it was a very popular song that I didn't let us sing. The the bridge said, you're never going to let me down, you're never going to let me down. And I said, I don't think I can sing that. Because I can sing that he's never failed me, because he's never promised to do something and not failed on that promise. But let down is a bit of a feeling, actually. Because sometimes I feel like I wish God would do something a certain way, and he doesn't. He didn't say he would. So he hasn't actually failed me, but I can't help sometimes but feel a little bit let down. But I just want to say to you this morning, it's not the same thing. God not doing what you want him to do is not the same thing as God not doing what he said he would do. And this gift of faith allows you to have full trust and confidence in God and his promises regardless of the outcome. Even as I was preparing this message, I was actually working in my dad's study, you know, my amazing dad who can change traffic lights. And he has this great little room in his house that he kindly kindly lets me use on occasion. And at the back of his desk, so I'm working at my laptop, and right behind my laptop, there's this little wee knick-knack, just a little display piece in the middle of his desk, and there's a photo that can come up. Just a little wee stone that has painted on it. Everything will be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. You know, it's just a fun little quote. Like, it's a, it's a little bit twee. But actually, that's what faith is. It portrays the long-term, the forward-looking faith and confidence that we can have in God and in His Word and in His salvation and in eternity. See, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Everything will be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's because it's it's actually not the end. Because in the end, every knee will bow before the authority of Jesus. In the end, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. In the end, every person who puts their faith in Jesus will be saved. In his presence, every sickness will be cured. Every injury will be healed. In the end, every enemy will be defeated and every opposing power will be cast down. In the end, every creature and all of creation will cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And that's what we can believe in. That is what we can put our faith in. That is what we can stand on with confidence. He is who we can put our trust in for now and forever. But right now, while we're still in the middle of this having trouble in this world, we need the Holy Spirit to breathe on this gift of faith and to fan into flame our faith, trust, hope, and confidence in Him. 
I'd love to pray, church. Would you stand with me if you're able? We're going to sing and worship together in a moment. But there's just a few things that I really felt God impress on me as I was preparing that I wanted to pray for today. And one of the things I think, one of the biggest obstacles to faith is, of course, doubt. Doubt. And I think we really do live in a world where that people have tried to erode faith. They've really tried to throw in cynicism or doubt, particularly at the Word of God and what the Bible says. And, and you know, right at the beginning of creation in Genesis, the, we're introduced to the enemy for the first time, and the first thing he says is, did God really say that? And I feel like we live in an age now where that sentiment is expressed all the time. You only need to spend about five minutes on social media to find somebody basically saying the exact same thing. Does the Bible really say that? And certainly we should look at the Word and we should make sure we understand things and we shouldn't just, just go, oh, I think I know, but feel free to find out, ask questions, learn. But this doubt that erodes at our faith. And I feel like this morning there may be some of you who are feeling that kind of doubt, that I don't have faith because I just don't know if I can trust the Word of God. Would I just, I just ask every head bow right now, every eye closed. If that's you this morning, if you have that kind of doubt and you're worried about your faith, and in particular, but it doesn't have to be exclusively, because you're just worried about, is the Bible really true? Would you be comfortable raising your hand so I could see you and I'll be able to pray with you later? Thank you, that's cool. I'm going to pray for you now as well. Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit right now to move in this place. By the power of your Spirit, you would illuminate the truth of Jesus Christ. You would illuminate the truth of your Word. You know, one of the, one of the ways we know that the Holy Spirit is at work in us is this supernatural peace that accompanies Him, that no matter what situation we're in, we can sense that calm, that stability, that peace of the Holy Spirit. And I pray right now that, Holy Spirit, you would bring a settledness even to these ones. Even as they read your word, you would speak to them and reveal the truth of your word. Lord, where there is confusion, you would point them in the right direction. You would help them ask the right questions. You would help them question the right people. You would help them find the other passages that either support or make clear what it is that they're struggling with. Lord, that you, by your Holy Spirit at work in their spirits, would settle them and bring a peace and understanding and clarity to your word. In Jesus' name, praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. While we're still in this attitude of prayer, Lauren, I just wanted to pray for you. I just felt like um, a word that God gave me is that you are really loyal. You're a really loyal person. You have that in the natural, and you will do things for people because you're their friend or because they need help, so you'll do it. There's a real loyalty. And I just felt like God was saying to me this morning that he's actually going to grow that loyalty into a strong faith and faithfulness. So it's not just a, I'm going to be loyal to you, so I'll do it. But actually, it's a, I have confidence in God and in his word. And so I know I can step out and do this thing. So Lord, right now, I just pray for Lauren, pray your blessing upon her. I thank you for her gift of loyalty. I thank you for her servanthood. I thank you for her willingness to say yes. But Lord, right now, I pray that you would release by the power of your Holy Spirit this gift of faith and faithfulness. 
Lord, that she would know she's stepping out and doing these things in obedience to you and that she knows she can trust you and have full confidence and faith in you when she steps out. That it wouldn't just be out of a sense of duty or loyalty, but it would be faith that blossoms and grows in her in Jesus' name. And I really believe, Lauren, as that you start to step out in small steps, that God will meet those steps. God will prove his faithfulness and those small steps will turn into very big steps and that you will step into things that you had no idea were coming in the power of God. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. As we go into this song, God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, I pray for a fresh release of your presence in this place. I pray for a fresh release of your power. Pray that your Holy Spirit would come on each one here. In Jesus' name, even as we sing, pour your spirit out. Lord, lift up the faith in our hearts that we will believe that you can move in us and through us and for the benefit of those around us. Praise you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord.